0: Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. I'm Scotty Hertz, and joining me very soon via the wonders of pre-recording will be Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m as we talk about the latest news from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. Sometimes we interview local newsmakers and politicians, and that is exactly what is happening this week. We spoke to five more candidates that are vying for the 12 city council seats up for grabs in the October 24th municipal election. And this week, an order of appearance will be Linda Bouzatil from Ward 4, Chidi Gwene from Ward 1, Raymond Sartor, Ward 2, Hitesh Jagad from Ward 4,
1: and Phil old from Ward 3. So that's enough for me. Let's hear from them. Okay, Linda Buzatil, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So people may recognize you as a uh, current school board trustee. I think you've done four terms as a trustee. Um, so I guess the obvious question is, um, why why are why are we trying uh, our hand at a whole new uh, state of politics and and running for council instead of uh, school board?
2: Thank you for the question, Adam. I, I first want to start off with: there's really not a huge amount of difference between school board and municipal government. We deal with property and sewage and. Um, you know all sorts of issues. COVID, just like the city did, human resources, collective bargaining, and so on. And our budget's about 500 million dollars. So <clears throat> it's it's and it's similar. Uh, the focus is on our schools, the physical buildings, and our students. The time was right right now. Uh, the work that I do in the West Guelph Ward 4 is a lot of community development work. And I think the natural step around some of the work we're doing around housing, um, economic, community economic development, the time is right to kind of uh, bring that um, in a uh, political arena at city council.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you, how would you characterize sort of the, I mean, maybe without pointedly um, critiquing the current Ward 4 councillors, but I mean, in, in terms of how you feel the western part of the city that makes up Ward 4 is sort of represented at council right now, how do you do, like? Does, do, do you think this end of town is being seen, and and if not, I guess, what how, how do you want to make that different?
2: Thank you. Again, um, so Ward 4, part of Ward 4, just like other areas of the City of Guelph, Uh, we're a priority neighborhood on the social determinants of health through public health, economic, education, and so on. And through planning processes, whether it is the community well-being, community health, I would hope that bringing the four priority areas, Brant, our area, Two Rivers, and the Willow Road area, Onward Willow area, in a planning process, the question would be how do we um, invest more. How do we create more opportunities? Given that this is a, a neighborhood and a, an area of the community that is experiencing less. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And I guess along with that too. And we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. You know, this is an area where there are a lot of new Canadians, um, people who have immigrated here, uh, refugee resettlement people who aren't necessarily um, part of the process because of you know, their, their status uh, in the system. And I, and I guess um, you work, you've, you've done a lot of work with these communities. What um, I, I guess, how, how do we get them feeling more represented considering they can't do the most obvious part of this process, which is, you know, casting a ballot in many cases.
2: Yeah. And, and thank you again for that question. I think the city of Wells five-year plan around, <clears throat> yeah, communicating and engaging is really quite important because engagement is more than have your say Guelph an online survey engagement in this community has to be face-to-face connecting outreach on the ground with communities. And I look at the dissonance between things like our parks master plan and the families that are, you know, trying to have a picnic and eat at Margaret green park and our Our master plan speaks about sports fields and doesn't really resonate to the needs of the families around Westwood Road, which is an extension of not having a place to celebrate and so on. So there's two parts to this. I think the first part is the engagement, an active engagement. And the second part is widening the lens of what we do. Another example would be something like housing. You know, in our neighborhood, and our community, we've worked around trying to create pathways to housing, whether it's Habitat for Humanity, wealth, not-for-profit housing, and so on. But the systems that we have in place define affordable housing as one or two bedrooms. And there's a mismatch and a disconnect to the families and the needs that we have. I'm hoping as a city councilor to bring that conversation to a policy level and advocacy for that kind of funding um, uh, through the county and through the province because I think unintentionally, the unintended consequence is creating perpetual poverty. That we are saying because you are this size of a family, you are disadvantaged in terms of housing.
1: I think that came up. Granted, it's not the word you want to run in, but with the development at Willow and Dawson, where they want to, and I think the project was approved to build an, an apartment tower there, and it was pitched very much as affordable units, and that's fine if you are single or you know starting a family but a lot of the communities you're talking about are generational families so grandparents parents children and we we kind of miss that in the the affordable angle and it seems that that's sort of a a particular um a a particular concern in in this area where we live
2: and i am familiar with that project because willow road public school is my school as a school board trustee and I chair the property committee for the Upper Grand District School Board. So those development applications come to us. However, I'm in a silo of responding to it in terms of education, impact on the schools, and not that broader lens of poverty task force, accessibility, all those kinds. And and that's the reason I'm running, is to bring that to council, that lens.
1: Mm -hmm. So you talked about, you know, being on school board, that's uh, kind of a comparable experience, to, given the amount of money and the issues you're dealing with. You talked about um, the neighborhood and uh, the need to sort of raise that profile. I guess that explains, and maybe you can, can go into a bit more detail about this, you know, what you can bring counsel to, or also, you know, what kind of skills that are uh, you've, you've, accumulated that are transferable to council?
2: Yeah, so my background is a lot about community economic development, grassroots economic development, about household income, not big business, but ways that families can afford you know, to buy backpacks and extra things and, and down payments. <clears throat> and community engagement is my background as well. And I'm going to use as the lens, the MetroLink, Margaret Green experience. And what I see is a disconnect between, you know, the province and city council and our city councillors and the community that's impacted by decision. One is information. You know, the families along Westwood Road not having any awareness of what is going on. And the second part of it is families feeling they don't have the resources, understanding and, and the pathway to raise their voices into the, the, the dialogue about transformations in their neighborhood, And I think the skills that I brought there is behind the scenes, working with families to raise awareness and knowledge, you know, of, of who makes the decisions. And yes, your voice is important. Raising um, ways for people to comment, whether it's through the neighborhood, you know, the, the speaker's corner, and working with some of the emerging leaders in the community to give them the confidence to to be interviewed by CBC, you know, Breezy Corners to raise their voice. And so I think that's the skill that I I bring is connecting. It's not me speaking, but it takes a lot of time and energy to to, um, build the faith in community that they are valued and that it's good to be heard in this process.
1: Hmm. Ward 4 has uh, at least, well, technically both seats are open, but uh, there is only one incumbent running in Ward 4. Uh, some strong competition, but uh, aside from maybe some of the things you've talked about, I mean, what sets you apart? And if you are elected, how will people in Ward 4 see a difference in terms of their representation? I think I'm,
2: there's a couple of things. I am very good at following up. So uh, some examples, Margaret Green Park, the redevelopment. We had asked the city as a neighborhood, as a group of residents, uh, for some input into that redevelopment. So the city went ahead and redeveloped without including a concession stand there for families to walk to. Again, that that connection to the use of the park, families to walk to for an ice cream or for a tea. So that is something that you know I, I want to continue to nag and champion about. We, uh, the city forgot to put in the electrical outlet so that we could have movies in the park. We went back and had the city put that in and had all the documentation. Uh, we have been advocating for the splash pad. It's been many years since the duck pond over at the West End Recreation Center. The city has in capital plans now, it's in the capital plan to do the um, assessment of the location at Margaret Green Park. Again, through an equity lens, These are families that need accessible, affordable recreation right uh, within walking distance. The other thing is, you know, on that Metrolinx theme is the city will be starting the environmental assessment around the underpass in Margaret Green Park. And this is really important, the connection to our bikes and our hiking to the other side of Ward 4. And in the olden days, you know, people would hike over the tracks, that's not possible or encourage. But I think the skills that I would bring is that engagement to people so that they can have a voice in what that looks like. And, and, you know, we talk about in community development about not for me and to me, but with me. And Hmm. so that is kind of the way that we do things in the neighborhood and that I do things as well.
1: All right. Well, that brings us to the most essential question of this interview, which is how can people learn more about your campaign?
2: Thank you. So they can go to my website. It's Linda, L-I-N-D-A, and my last name, Pusatil, B-U-S, like Sam, dot net. They can call or text 519-546-2274, and, then, and there's an email as well. You can get this information from Guelph Votes from the, from the website there. Thank you again for the opportunity.
0: I'm joined by Chidi Wene, one of the six candidates running for the two council seats in Ward 1 in the upcoming municipal election. So for the benefit of our listeners who may not know who you are, by way of a short introduction, can you can you tell us just a bit in general about yourself?
3: Yes, okay. As you guys know, my name is Akshidi Nguyen. I'm running for the uh, City Council uh, for World One. I'm uh, a Community Engagement Specialist. I work with uh, non-profit and charitable organizations uh, here in Canada. Uh, Before then, I've worked in various uh, non-profit organizations and relief efforts in international development in more than 27 countries. I've been uh, in uh, South America, Africa, and Asia. Here in Guelph, I've been living in the city of Guelph for the past uh, 12 years in the Zell city of uh, Warborn, which uh, is a place that I call home. Uh, here, that's where I raise my three kids with my wife. Now I've been involved in a lot of uh, community based uh, organizations here in Guelph trying to help our community, you know, the, uh, because I believe that serving the community is better than being served. So uh, it's one of my key pillars Uh, for my running. I believe that community and environment plays a very vital role. So uh, I bring all this uh, thing to the, uh, I wish to bring these skills that I've gained in all these years and traveled to city hall to bring a different uh, light and bring diversity to the city hall.
0: So you mentioned that you're an environmentalist there among other things and Interestingly, running a paperless campaign, which is, uh, I, I haven't actually heard of that. But uh, yes. <laughs> so, in, in, in your mind this time around, what are the key environmental issues either facing Ward 1 directly or uh, the city in general?
3: Yes. You know, as you, know, you might have uh, bringing this up, my campaign is paperless campaign. That means a uh, 100% QR code uh, powered. So, it's, I'm an environmentalist uh, again, uh, and uh, I believe. In the environment is very essential in our community. You can see what is happening globally. There's a lot of flooding, wildfire, global paper shortage. You can goggle it up. So people are, we are actually affecting us. And again, uh, to tackle this a uh, climate crisis, we need to tackle it from the grassroots, the municipal level, to people to change their, uh, you know, their way of living. Like in Guafia alone, in the city, so almost, almost responsible for more than five percent of the emission. So uh, to cut down on, you know, some of the root causes of environmental disaster, we need to start from the grassroots. So I have to show an example to cut my, you know, the mission of gas in the uh, west so that we can actually bring this forward uh, to the city hall to make sure every city services, uh, we have to bear this in mind you know, uh, city buses to make sure they are sustainable and eco-friendly so that we can have a, a, a place to live because without the environment, we're not going to have a community.
0: Specific to Ward 1, it's almost exclusively the East End now. It's an interesting area. Yes. Majority residential and plenty of doors to knock on. So I take it you've been out and about. What have you been hearing from the people in Ward 1?
3: Yes, in Ward 1, basically what I hear like all the time is affordability. You know, everybody wants, It's well concerned about, the, uh, the affordable uh, aspect of livelihood, the housing, you know, things in general. So uh, like in warfare, like 10 years ago, what we're living here, it's, it's, it's really affordable, but for the past, now it's practically almost not affordable. So everybody's kind of worried about themselves and even the, the future of their kids. So uh, this is number one. Number two, people are really worried about their safety. You know, like you're talking about uh, homelessness, health and addiction is actually increasing. It's a big crisis in our city. Usually, it's kind of concentrated in downtown. But believe me, for the last couple of, say, a year or, or months, or past couple of months, you've been encroaching into our neighborhood. So we need, actually need to see to these issues, to the, the grasp the, the causes of these issues, to see how we can mitigate uh, this crisis that actually overwhelming our city. And again, the other thing I'm hearing is uh, the projected population surge in the city of Guelph. Believe me, uh, this uh, issue is, is going to be one of the biggest uh, issues to face the city of Guelph in its history. So we are talking about almost fifty to 100,000 people coming into our city in the next five to 10 years. So we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the, uh, the, uh, the structure to withhold this population coming in. So we need to be proactive to have a visionary infrastructure plan to prepare for this population surge. So people are a little bit concerned based on what is happening. We don't even have renters in our city right now. So if we don't have a robust plan to have a visionary plan that is sustainable to hold folks that's coming in and to have jobs for them coming in, we might face a very serious problem in the very near future. I'm talking about two, three, five years to come.
0: So, in kind of speaking to that, Ward 1 is one of the areas in town that's slated for some significant expansion. Reformatory yeah. lands, the uh, Turf Grass Institute is going to be major residential. Uh, how would you like to see those changes transpire? How would you approach that uh, if you were elected?
3: Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I would vigorously support plans to make sure that we take into consideration a lot of uh, sustainable uh, uh, mixed uh, projects, housing you know, great jobs, you know, to make sure that all the services there takes into consideration are the environmental issues and uh, housing issues, especially to bear in mind that people coming in here, some most of them are kind of uh, hardworking uh, class individuals that cannot afford, like if you look into a city today, what do you see in uh, all these new subdivisions are? Exclusive condos, expensive condos, gated community, left and right, who are the people buying all these homes? So we need to make sure that we have inclusivity in our future plan so we can include hardworking golf residents so they can able to afford the house. So again, to have robust plan to make sure that we include all these factors in this new uh, area that is just in the east end of Guelph.
0: Sort of speaking to that as well, one of the big ticket issues we always ask everybody uh, is the budget and taxes. Now, you've said you support a responsible and rational budget. So what, in your view, would be a uh, responsible and rational budget for the city?
3: Yeah, for me, responsible and rational budget entails uh, not being aware of not just focusing on big projects, just like they, the one with the uh um, Public library, you know, we can actually have a cheaper version of it so that we, we, uh, the citizens of, uh, the residents of Guad wouldn't be, uh, have to pay, trickle down to the uh, to levies and tax being passed down to our, our, our residents. So we make should sure, make sure that we don't really embark on big projects, you know, unnecessary projects that actually wouldn't benefit our residents. So before any uh, budget is being planned, we have to vigorously review the, plan, the, the budget to make sure that we take taxpayers' uh, uh, money into account, not just bringing in bogus projects that benefit the few. So we can actually be uh, conscious of being uh, sustainable, being uh, rational, and reduce our budget so that we can face our immediate and near future uh, problem without going above our, our, our means so that we, we we've, we're paying enough taxes already so we don't want to pass down levies and more taxes to our, our hardworking WAF uh, residents
0: From what I gather your key campaign message is community that works for all which is a big picture approach you've spoken about some of the aspects of that can you talk about that a bit they want we'll break that down a little bit more
3: yeah I, I, thanks for bringing this up it's, it's one of the key uh, issues of my campaign as you know guff has uh, still produces a homogeneous uh, council. There hasn't been any person of colour or even marginalised group in the city council. It's worrisome because I see this need for diversity in our city to, to reflect uh, uh, the people of our community. You know, living in Guaaf for two years, I've seen the, Gua, the city of Guaaf diversify and, and grow. And Guelph is one of the biggest uh, uh, diversified city. Uh, in if not in Canada, it's it's growing. So we need to uh, have a diverse uh, city council. We need to have diversity in the city council, so that we can reflect the, our community. Uh, we can have representation of other groups because when decision making, we need to have different lenses to have an input. If we don't have this, it, the it, it poses a big threat to the legitimacy of uh, the ca- decision made in the council. So I am running on this to make sure that we have diversity in our city council to include all people of all backgrounds, all people of all ideologies. All residents need to be involved, to be engaged in the political discourse. So that's one of my key uh, points that I'm trying to send across to our, our community members, especially people in World War. Thanks for joining us again.
0: If people would like to find out more about you and your campaign and get in touch with you, how can they do that?
3: Yeah, you can just go to my website, uh, chidiapropoaf.ca. You can find out all the things we believe in, things we've been working on. And again, apart from the campaign, I've been in the, for the past 12 years, I've been working with a lot of community organizations. So I believe in grassroots I believe in grassroots uh, uh, organizations, grassroots initiatives. That's why my campaign is community power. It's not me. Uh, the, the election is not, it's not about me or any of the candidates. Election is about the community. So every decision making needs to be rooted into our uh, public opinion, public conscience. So I'm not making the campaign about me. I'm not promising anything. But I believe that with everyone together, we can make our city one of the best cities to live. So if you go to my uh, website, you can actually see how you can support our campaign, join our campaign. You can always book one-to-one meeting, chat with me, coffee with me, or group chat. I'm willing to and ready to listen to your concerns.
1: Okay, Raymond Sartre, thank you so much for joining me today.
4: Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Why don't we start with, um, you know, you kind of... uh, new to the political scene so you know as a by way of introducing yourself to the listeners um, why don't you talk a little about who you
4: are and, and why you're running well I was born and raised in the ward mm-hmm. and I uh, my family has actually been in Guelph for over 100 years so I love Guelph I know Guelph but you know, I was born and raised, went to various schools in Guelph, and then, like like many others, went to university in other in Hamilton and et cetera, et cetera. And then I ended up in Toronto, and I had a fairly successful career uh, in Toronto with my advertising agencies. And then I traveled the world and did business elsewhere. So, so Adam, I've lived in Paris. I've lived in Mexico, and I've uh, lived in, and lectured in China. Mm-hmm. I decided, hey, you know what, let's go back home, let's go back to my hometown. So I bought a uh, place in Guelph, I live in War II. And I said, what the heck happened to this place? You know, it's like, it's like that Febreze commercial where you're, you go nose blind. Uh, somebody's cooking fish in the house. You don't smell the fish, but your friend comes over and goes, oh my God, I smell the fish. So when I came here, I went, wow, there's a lot of denial. That downtown is a bit of a mess. And what's this about a hundred million dollar library? Are we crazy? And where's the hospital I was born in? Are you telling me that a place with an 80,000 population uh, when I was here, had one hospital, two hospitals. Now we're up to one hundred and forty thousand or more, and we've only got one hospital. That's my probably my biggest beef. Mm.
1: A- appreciating oh,
4: though, I need to do something
1: right. A- appreciating though that you know hospitals. Uh, that's no, you know, it's not no,
4: that's just province. We I was gu- a- I
1: was going to say it's not just the city. It, you know, there is you know there are a lot of fingers who have to agree to start baking that pie
4: yeah so- but for 37 years nobody's baked the pie right so somebody needs to do something we i'm go- I've, I've stated on my literature that i'm going to vote to continue the 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 local share and get this thing moving and you know something i would like i was thinking you know what you're a very good investigative reporter so the quicker we get you could probably do this better than i can how many lives do we save if we get the hospital here quicker? Mm. I don't know how you would do that equation, but my thinking is if we get it here in 12 years, or if we get it here in eight years, it's four years. Like, do we save a lot of lives? And now that I'm back here, I'm doing a lot with my family because my family lives in ward two as well. My dad goes to the hospital, wait, we gotta go to Kitchener, wait we got to go to Hamilton. What the heck is this? And so I'm just thinking, I know the hospital. I, I know the hospital's provincial, mm. but I think that we need, somebody needs to talk to Mr. Ford and somebody needs to do some lobbying to get that darn hospital here quicker. Mm-hmm. That's all I hear when I talk to my constituents is hospital.
1: Hmm. I, I think that's, that's probably fair. Um, uh, I guess the question then becomes um, what can you do as a city councillor aside from lobbying? I mean, lobbying is important and and being loud and in people's faces that that makes stuff happen. But, um, you know, aside from, you know, voting yes for that, that hospital infrastructure levy is what kind of direct influence do you think you can have?
4: Well, being in business, there's a lot of different lobbying and things you can do to make things happen. And you have to make them happen smart. Mm. You have to think smart. So we would have to do some lobbying and figuring out what the others couldn't figure out in the mm. last 37 years. And I think if we can do that, we we'll, somehow we need to 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 get, a, get the hospital going and find a way to get it going. It's the same thing as the downtown. I don't mean to jump, but one of your articles was exactly what I said in the, in the Chamber of Commerce debate. I don't have a magic wand. Mm. That is a, like a seven-headed dragon. You've got mm. opioids. You've got health care. You've got mental illness. You've got homelessness. That's a big dragon. But I've, I've slayed dragons before, Adam. And what you have to do is you have to sit down and analyze it. And that downtown needs one champion. Mm. One person needs to take all of the elements and attack it. And I think it can be done. I think it can be done.
1: So what you're talking about is that, you know, we kind of need... I guess someone to bring in all of your, and, and, and I, I agree. I've made this point before you have, you know, nonprofit agencies, you have, you know, the County, the city, um, you know, various sort of like individualized endeavors, like the, your downtown well friends, you know, group, you want to be kind of like the point person to sort of like lead the effort into all of these groups to tackling this problem.
4: Yes. And it's, it's an interesting problem. And I shouldn't say this, mm. Well oh, what the heck? What 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 do we need to do? And who's who's profiting? Ugh, who's profiting from homelessness? Where is all that money going for gosh sakes? Is that money going right to I mean our job is to help the helpless. Mm. And where's there's a lot of money sitting there, but I think there's like every big city, there's a lot of red tape. Get through the red tape and find a way to help these people. I mean, why, why is the Welcome Center? I don't know if you remember the Welcome Center on Gordon mm-hmm. with Sister Christine. Mm-hmm. Why is it closed? Like, get it open. Get it open. And I know there's the other one up on Woolwich that they're just working on now for homeless. So things are happening, but I don't know if they're happening quick enough. And mm. I don't know if they're happening with smart coordination. Mm. And I think there needs to be smart coordination. And you, you've written a number of things about the relationship between the county and the city. That needs, somebody needs to go in there and, 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 and make that not so, uh, I don't know what, you abrasive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to fix it. Nobody doesn't want to fix it. Right. It's just how we fix it.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess you know you've talked a lot about sort of what you want to do and, and sort of how it compares to you know the Guelph you remember and you know your your long family history th- through yeah. the city. Um, I, I guess what what I see a lot of these times is um, we're kind of in a, in a really frictious stage where you know we have so many people like we have so many long term Guelphites that live in the city who remember yeah. you know. You know, when this town was like 70,000, 80,000 people, we're we're trying to make a jump or we've been kind of mandated to make a jump to 200,000. So I guess given your long term history in the city, um, can we hold on to the things that, you know, you remember that made wealth great while still, you know, making room for almost twice the number of people?
4: Yes. Yes. I mean, if you go to Kitchener, you go, what? If you go to some of these other cities, you go, what? Guelph is still got, I mean, you, one of the other reasons I'm, I'm running is because my Ward War two is really fantastic. My Ward War two has the ward. Yeah. It has the downtown. It has the hospital. It has a whole bunch of hot buttons. So let's go back quickly to the ward. So I want to protect the ward. The ward is a little jewel. We can do amazing things in the ward. And one of the things I want to do, and it's near and dear to my heart because it's probably one of the first things I ever saw. My father worked at, at Mabel Iron mm. and when I was born. Mm-hmm. I come back and it's still a brown land. Mm-hmm. That's 13, 13 acres, Adam. Of which the developers, I know, oh, the nasty developers, they want to take that brown land and make it green. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, Guelph. Well, take brown land and make it green. Take land that's already inside the city so we can forget about the urban sprawl. And the, the people that I've talked to said, we want to talk about affordable housing. They're saying they can put 2,000 beautiful, smaller units down at Beverly. Take, take that piece of, of yucky land and greenify it and beautify it and put some uh, you know uh, affordable, attainable houses in it. Turn Beverly Street into Beverly Hills. That's one of the things I want to do. I've got three things. One is the hospital. One is that white elephant library. And one is Beverly Street. If I can do those three, in the four years, that would be amazing. Amazing.
1: To turn Beverly Street into Beverly Hills. If people didn't know you were in marketing before, they certainly know it now. But uh, we have kind of reached the end. Uh, so I do need to ask you just one last essential question, which is where can people learn more about your campaign?
4: So tonight at midnight, you can go to alexartor.com.
0: We're now joined by Hitesh Jagad, one of seven candidates vying for the two seats in Ward 4 in the October 24th municipal election. You're someone who's known around town, but maybe not in the political realm. So for those who may not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
5: Myself is Hitesh Jagad, and uh, I do. Uh, we do have a small business in town named Kitita Kitchen. And this business opened since uh, four and a half years. But we're doing this uh, catering business since 12 years. It is owned by uh, my wife Kirithira and uh, I have a family of two kids. My son is Kritharav and my daughter' name is uh, Dwani. and my son is in the political science in the Laurier uh, uh, University in Waterloo and my daughter in grade 6.
0: What, what was the your deciding factor or factors that made you want to run for council in 2022?
5: The fact is that I'm, I'm kind of following very closely uh, the city activities, and, uh, and I'm an active member of the community. And as a small business owner, believe me or not, I have a chance. I like to talk to the people, and that's encouraged me to, you know, when I discuss with the people, people share so many things to me like uh, what are their pros and cons, how they like the city, what they don't like in the city, what needs to be improved, what needs to, need to be done to you know, make the better prospect of the and good faith of the city. So, so many things I learned from the people throughout the four and a half year, and particularly during the COVID that's 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 give me an opportunity to learn about the more community because our business supported by the community and that's land me in a situation that you know we should i should do something that will help community because i have done so much work during uh, during the covid 19 pandemic we supported so many businesses we supported so many frontline workers we have done fantastic thing during the uh, during the covid 19 and that will put me in a situation and there are I have seen so many people have a concern for the app, uh, affordability, like pricing is going everything is up. People I have seen the people are mentally stressed down, they need more help, you know, for the mental health and wellness. I have visited many places during that time and I have seen there is a lack of the funding for the people who need the mental health help. And there is a lot of complaint I have heard, or the feedback I have seen from the people that there's a lack of a public transportation for the smooth transportation system and even I faced myself when I was new in Canada so there's lots of things I have seen because I'm in Canada for last 18 years and I have seen so many things happen and I think you know this is a good time to give a try myself to you know make difference to the community and I love to be part of the community and it will be my privilege if I'm elected and serve to the community.
0: You mentioned your, your business. So in, in your view, is there anything in the wake of COVID and increasing costs and everything? Is there anything that city council could do specifically to help small business in Guelph?
5: I'm giving you one example just for my business as well. And what I have faced that time that mm-hmm. will give you an idea of what's supposed to be done for the small businesses. So we opened a restaurant in 2017, December. And after that, 2018, they have opened up the Metcalf and Aramosa intersection for the large work for the sewer line right all right mm-hmm. and and they have they have mentioned us that x is going to take them about two weeks or three weeks max to complete the project and they even came here and they have mentioned us that you might be having a bit of trouble for these many weeks and things will be worked out for you right i said okay no problem but we i'm a new business So now the situation for me for two to three weeks, how am I going to run the business? But the situation turned out in different direction. It was it was tested out by four months instead of three to four weeks. Now you have to think this in four weeks, I have no idea what to do and what not to do. But here, here I the idea came in the mind, there is a surrounding business impacted, not just me. So there is a All businesses next to my plaza, next to the, you know, all our surroundings business impacted. But I haven't seen, they have only put board that business are easily accessible. But as per the perspective, they haven't released any valid map that how people will access those businesses, how they will make those businesses not be impacted due to this large construction. And this was a disaster for me because as a new business owner, a small business owner, it is hard for me to survive. So that's a one point. Whenever city doing something like constructions, they have to have clear map out ideas, how the business will be accessible and how it's supposed to be advertised by the city. So my suggestion to the uh, councillors that we should have a system in place. Whenever something like this happens, we should have a clear map out. Business would be accessible easily, no matter how you're accessing the business. And if any person has been reduced to give something to that particular small business or any business, it should be disclosed to them that way they will have, that will help them to reduce their, you know, monthly rent and they will be blessed that, you know, I'm paying a little bit less rent than I, I supposed to pay.
0: You mentioned property taxes in there. And mm-hmm. you've said that's, and it's always a hot issue across yeah. town. But uh, yeah. what what is, beyond sort of just your business, what is your view or what would your approach be on property tax and the level of tax in town?
5: So I, I put myself in the thinking, like how we can reduce. And I have seen that we have so many projects happen in the town, which are estimated or budget at certain, certain amount. But when the project turnouts, it will be more than a double or maybe 50 times higher. That is all passed to the resident of the guwah. That is like, for for an example, let's say the the, uh, new police headquarters takes longer than what is supposed to be done, right? We have another projects for the library. Like I'm not against the library, but the estimated cost of the project is very high and ultimate, ultimate payer, is the ultimate money coming from the property tax? Another project we have on the south end for the rec Center, which is budgeted about 80 million, and the quotes are coming more than like 120. So, like, where the money coming from, and how are we going to manage all this? There should be a way to you know deal with the you know our projection, or or maybe we are not doing a right thing. How we are projecting our future for the Gwal? So, biggest concern for me, and that's my main issue that we should find out more affordable way, more restricted deadlines, or more tight things that any contract get out from the city should be done in a same time frame. Or maybe we should think a little bit beyond how we can make it more easier for the people.
0: You've been out campaigning uh, yeah. doing the door-to-door, what, what have you been hearing from the people in Ward 4 at the door?
5: People have same concern that the property tax is so high, so they need more affordability. People are who are renting, they say the rent is going up and up, and I completely understandable because the property tax goes up, all your hydro, gas, water, everything going up and up, everything. So there is a biggest concern for the affordability for the people. Another major issues I have found that when the people are complaining about the street speeding, so there is lots of residential street we have seen in the town that will be used as a through street. So people are, you know, cutting to the, you know, main road and been, they're looking for the shortcuts They are usually passing through residential area. But while passing through the residential area, they forget that this is a residential zone. They cannot speed it up. Even I live in my street, I have seen the people are zooming like they're driving on a highway. Like And it is so scary. Even I have to take my car from the, my driveway. I have to look. Two to three times to my left and right is anything is coming or not. That's that's one thing. And lots of people concerning about the school and kids' safeties. <laughs> they they cannot put their kids on the street to play because of the you know uh, speed on the res- residents' streets. That that are the major concern I'm hearing from the people. And some people have raised you raised the concern about the homelessness and the mental health illness. And some people have even suggested me some good ideas, and I really like to share those ones here that people have suggested why don't we have some program? Like uh, for the life-changing program for those people who need more help. We might have those programs implemented, but it might not be used yet. So people said we have put them to work. So we we should have something landscape learning program introduced by the city. They'll they can, you know, train those people who are in need or their mental stress down, and they'll slowly, slowly put them back on you know, normal life and, and they will be helped out. We need more shelter for the uh, who are homeless because I personally believe there is nobody born homeless right some people's situations sometimes bring them into homelessness and another issue I am seeing that we have a five different elementary high sc- uh, different elementary schools and we don't even have a high school
0: oh I didn't know that either no high sc- no high school in war four
5: yeah there is no high school in war four like we have five elementary schools there's a large student population and we don't have high school
0: that is surprising something that we ask everyone that we speak to that's that's running kind of in summary why should voters choose you on october 24th
5: well i can say only one thing that i am a local entrepreneur a small business owner and a community builder and a proud resident of Guelph i'm living in the world for the last 18 years and i am running because i want to represent the key issues affecting to my fellow constituents that includes improving access to the mental health and wellness, improving the current barriers of communication between the world and residents, finding alternative ways to control property tax, fund and support affordable housing projects, advocating for more green sustainable growth while ensuring that the tax dollars are spent effectively, if I'm elected for World Four, it will be my privilege.
0: Great to talk to you, Hitesh. And uh, if people wanted to reach out, find out more about you and your campaign, how can they do that?
5: I do have uh, my website. Uh, They can email me or they can visit my website. It's www.hiteshjagat.ca. And the email address is contact at hiteshjagat.ca. And I do have all social media platforms. They can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the LinkedIn.
1: Okay, Phil all. thank you so much for joining us today.
6: Thank you very much, Adam.
1: You know, Ward 3 is is kind of a place in Guelph that um, doesn't go through a lot of, like, obvious change there's no big development, and the the ward review process um you know left the borders more or less as is so you know you being the incumbent perhaps you can uh start by talking about how ward three has uh changed and grown maybe the things we haven't seen over the last four years
6: thanks actually that's a good way to start um You can't see the changes in Ward three, but there are some significant ones that are occurring. Many of them are in the Willow West area, especially along Willow Road between Edinburgh Road and Silver Creek, where there are proposals there to increase density quite significantly. And they're proposals that I have real concerns about because the depth of the poverty in that area and the lack of facilities to my mind, does not afford a greater increase in density. You know, while we focus on areas like the South End where people are worried about density, we don't have large estate lots here. We have very small lots, a lot of townhouses, a lot of apartments, and a, and a disproportionate amount of low-income uh livers, people that live here who uh, really are having a hard time getting out of the poverty trap. Uh, we've got three and four generations of people that have lived in the Willow Road area, which mm-hmm. I think many people in Guelph would be shocked to know about. Furthermore, we're a settlement area for new Canadians and refugees. Uh, those two uh, factors have a significant impact upon quality of life for many, many people.
1: Right. And uh, oddly enough, I was talking to a Ward 4 candidate uh, about uh, a similar, m- making a similar note about. Um, that area of the city. And I guess that's where kind of Ward three and Ward four overlaps is that you, you do have these areas that, um, are, are very inclusive of, of, you know, new Canadians, people or you know, have, who have immigrated here, refugees who have resettled here. And I, I guess part of your equation is, um, when you're looking at representation is you're, you're looking at representing people who may not have, um, a v- a voice in 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 voting, um, they still have a voice in the community, but um, they are not necessarily people you can ask for their vote.
6: Well, that's a really good point, and you're right. They do. They have a very good voice in the community. Uh, I, I'll give a lot of credit to the neighborhood groups and to the Sheldale community for encouraging people to get involved and doing it very very well. Um, to give you a good example, uh, one member of the Sheldale community passed away, sadly from really from uh from I would say poverty actually. I'm gonna be quite quite blunt about that. He mm-hmm. had diabetes and uh, he lived uh, essentially a, a marginal life for an awfully long time. Sheldale really pulled it together. And so did uh, uh the Wellington County Social Services to provide the guy with with essentially a dignified burial and dignified um um, uh, visitation and that that to me is is the mark of a good community and the neighborhood groups um, the the, the uh, Sunny Acres neighborhood group and the, uh, the Exhibition Park neighborhood group they have different issues but they're all working on the same things mm-hmm. creating a cohesive community where people whether they have a vote or not have a voice and uh, uh, I think credit to Guelph and credit to the neighborhood groups for having done that
1: mm-hmm. Looking at the political picture, um, and again, you've you've done two terms. You're looking to do a third. Um, how has council changed, or or even you know the way council has sort of uh, overseen the the political affairs of Guelph? How's that changed in the last eight years?
6: That's a good question. I think one of the challenges that Guelph is facing is that we're not necessarily looking at how to continue to build the good city or the good community. We are more focused on fiscal conservatism. And this seems to be a driving mantra of some people on council. And it's a real concern to me, much to our detriment. I'll give you a good example. Mm -hmm. uh, An issue that's very, very quietly um, under the radar is the issue of the library. Apparently there's that there are some candidates who are saying that we should cancel the, the library. Now what they aren't aware of is that this is a fifteen to a twenty million dollar decision because we already have in place a tremendous amount of uh, obligation, and we've, we've done a fair bit of pre-construction uh, development in that area. And uh, this will be like what was done um, at the uh, the turn of the century under the uh, the quarry administration when people decided to axe the library then. These things don't get cheaper. And this library is getting more expensive by the day. Uh, That particular approach to uh, not city building, but um, uh, financial coffers um, uh, constraints is is a real challenge to us. We've got to look at the whole thing. We need to act fiscally responsible. And that means to uh, build our facilities when we need to build them. And to ensure that we are building for the future, because you're saying that we're going to bankrupt our kids.
2: We're Mm going to
6: bankrupt our kids if we don't do these things.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Since you had a role in, in making the decision and you can correct this if it's wrong, but um, there would be financial consequences if the project was canceled at this point. Right.
6: You know, I'm going to leave that to staff. Okay. Um, And I think that it's, it's fair to say that there would be, but I'm not going to get into the particulars of that uh, because it's a it's a legal issue.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, so you know you're kind of laying out sort of what the the terms might be in the next council, and there's going to be a significant shakeup because there's at least four empty seats, and yep. you know who knows what might happen. So I guess um, is, is that going to be sort of a theme if if you. Uh, happen to be reelected by your constituents, that it's going to be sort of that knee-jerk fiscal conservatism versus sort of the the longer game.
6: Well, uh, the theme for me will be the longer game. My goal is to build a good city, and that includes areas of the city that uh, are are underdeveloped areas that are slated for development, whether I like that or not. Being concerned about water, water conservation, and our uh, our uh, access to to clean um groundwater uh these are all things that are worrisome to me um i am um, really really struggle with the issue that we are growing to over 200,000 people in less than 30 years and that uh, we are going to be relying upon the same water supply for example this summer's uh, drought and our code red uh, should be a wake up call to many people who think that it's business as usual on that issue. Similarly, intensification requires us to provide the facilities and the, the infrastructure we need, and that includes things like buses, ambulances, mm-hmm. and uh, what I was told last night. It's no secret that the uh, that the hospital is uh, preparing up to a twenty year plan to look at what our health requirements are going to be. These are expensive items. They require the, uh, the city, the federal, and the provincial governments to uh, get on board to deliver good quality living for everyone.
4: Hmm.
1: I did get a chance to peruse your website in preparing for this, um, and a lot of it ha- covers uh, some of the same issues. Um, one stuck out to me, and perhaps you can um, expand on why you why you think good governance it should be an election issue
6: excellent question well adam uh, as i see you there at our meetings every week in your nightgown and your slippers uh, at two in the morning uh, good governance affects everything that we do it affects our relationship with the county the province and the federal government it affects how we conduct our meetings it affects our decorum in terms of our relationship with the community and with each other Without good governance, we have a situation where essentially we can be called to task because we're not treating everybody uh, as if it is a level playing field. And to give you a good example, I don't think that we should ever be taking motions at the spur of the moment because we require that people be given the opportunity for a hearing. This is due process. So if we are uh, suddenly to consider a building project in the south end, whether it is one that's for profit or nonprofit, and it's on a parcel of land that say is an acre in size, we must provide everyone, including the for profits, the nonprofits, and those that don't even have necessarily a vested interest, say in a housing development, the opportunity to be heard. That's something that is is tantamount in um, in municipal democracy. And so uh, we fail at good governance if we do not go through due process. And that includes appropriate notice. It also fails, as I said, you, when we're uh, in long meetings, because we should be sticking to our rules. And if we're not sticking to our rules, we're doing a great disservice to everybody who's paying attention. Uh, Another good example are delegates. There is absolutely no reason that I can see that we cannot give our delegates essentially a time window when they speak. Mm -hmm. So I can say, well, Adam, you're you're speaking on... uh, on the need for the city to uh, to provide $60,000 to CFRU annually. Um, uh, your time to, to speak is between 8.30 and 8.45, not necessarily at the start of a meeting until maybe 2 at night. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is inappropriate for good decision making. Mm-hmm. So the government runs a real gamut of many, many things, and they're all important.
1: Well, this is a very important question. It will unfortunately have to be our last. Uh, Where can people learn more about you and your campaign?
6: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, First of all, my website, philalt.ca, P-H-I-L-A-L-L-T.ca is one place to get me. The other, you can text me at 519-900-1414, or you can leave a message there, uh, and I will get back to you. Um similarly, uh, you'll probably see me on the streets uh, a lot. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see me down at the market or or at a coffee shop. But I, I am available. And uh, if anybody wants a personal meeting with me, I, that can always be arranged. Just give me a shout, and uh, we can uh, make it at your convenience.
0: And that's it for this week's edition of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. You can stay connected with us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. Find us on Facebook at Open Sources NewsWire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast on Podbean or on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find Adam on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out his news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Hertz and on Facebook as well. So stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And we'll be back here next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources. And we'll talk to you then.